Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancier dinner, too. Boosting your credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. And saving for an emergency fund, because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, tomorrow we have the probably the most highly anticipated Fed meeting ever, although I guess this is probably not going to be the last time that I say this because I guess we're also going to be anticipating October and then December if the Fed does not raise interest rates in September. And I still think the odds are that they won't do it, that they're going to leave interest rates at zero. But everybody is discussing whether or not the Fed Uh, will raise rates or if they should raise rates. In fact, I put an article on my Facebook page. By the way, if you haven't friended me on Facebook, uh, you should go ahead and do that. But a Bloomberg story, Yellen's former aide says a rate hike would be a serious error, a serious error, not just a run-of-the-mill error, but a serious error. Why? I mean, rates are at zero. In fact, they're not really at zero. Here's what nobody really talks about. The official target for the Fed funds rate right now is between zero and 0.25 basis points. So the Fed is targeting a range. The low end of that range is zero. The upper end of that range is 0.25. So what is the Fed talking about doing or what does everybody think the Fed is going to do? They're not talking about raising the range from 0.25 to 0.5. See, no one is talking about that. They're talking about narrowing the range so that it's 0.25. So instead of targeting a range, they're targeting the high end of that existing range. So from the way I look at it, I don't even think that's a rate hike because if the Fed wanted to target 0.25, it can already do so and be consistent with its current policy. The policy that's been in effect for seven years, right? Which is to keep the Fed funds rate somewhere between zero and 0.25. If they now decide that we're going to keep it at 0.25, all they've done is narrow the range to the point where they're fixing on the high end of the range. They're not talking about going from 0.25 to 0.5. So in other other words, this is not even really a rate hike. Yet this not even a rate hike would be a serious error for the Fed to make. And a lot of people, I'm reading this, it would be a disaster. It would be a catastrophe if the Fed were to raise rates. Why? We're talking about a tiny little bit of a hike, which in reality isn't even a hike. And the Fed better not do it. The Fed better wait. I mean, isn't that an admission that the economy is that fragile? If we're so worried about moving interest rates up to one quarter of 1%, a level that had we never been this low, people would have thought was ridiculous. I mean, when Alan Greenspan lowered interest rates to 1%, after the dot-com bubble burst and after September 11th, people thought, this is ridiculous. This is, how can we have rates this low? Now we're talking about raising them to a quarter of that. And people are saying, oh, we can't risk that. Oh, that's, that's too much. The Fed can't take too big a chance. The Fed has got to wait. The Fed has got to make extra certain 
Well, how much extra certain can they be? I mean, again, it's been almost seven years. How much longer? They need to wait another seven? I mean, what's going to change? What's going to change between uh, September and October or October and December? Nothing's going to change. I mean, unless things are going to get worse, but they're probably not going to get any better. Right? I mean, the, the, the time I hear people talk about, well, the Fed should raise rates because they're in danger of inflating a bubble. Hey, that ship has sailed. You know, talk about the horses leaving the barn. They're, they've left the pasture. There's nothing there. I mean, it, there already is a bubble. See, that's what they're worried about. They're worried about pricking it. That is the serious era that this uh, former Yellen aide is talking about. It's a recognition that this economy is a bubble and it would be an error to prick that bubble, right? Let's let it deflate on its own. But see, again, I think the more important era that maybe people are worrying about is when the Fed raises rates and then has to cut them back down to zero again because it admits it a mistake. See, that is one of the other reasons why I think the Fed is going to err on leaving rates at zero because they look worse. If they raise rates and then they have to cut them, they look incompetent. They look foolish. If they just leave them at zero and then have to launch QE4, they can look prescient. They can say, oh, you see, we were right not to move. But if they raise rates and then have to admit that it was a mistake, because if they cut them, it was a mistake, and then launch QE4, they lose credibility. I mean, I don't know why they have any credibility left to lose anyway, but they don't want to risk doing that. And, you know, we're going to go into recession regardless, as if we've ever left it, but officially we'll be back there. And I'm going to go over some more data that came out today that certainly uh, uh, confirms that that is where we're headed. But we're going to get there regardless of whether or not the Fed hikes rates. I just think that we will get there sooner if the Fed raises rates than if they don't. And so if they raise rates at 25 basis points, they're probably going to have to launch QE4 even sooner than if they just leave them at zero the entire time and pretend that they're going to raise them, which is what they're going to do. I think, ironically, if the Fed doesn't raise rates, they're going to continue to maintain the bluff that they're about to, right? They're going to actually talk tougher if they don't raise rates and if they do see because if they don't raise rates right talking about you know that's the opposite of speak softly and carry a big stick they're going to be screaming yet they have no stick right because they're going to talk about how they're going to raise rates and they're going to say look we're it's we're probably going to do it uh the 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 data is consistent it's appropriate for a rate hike and so they're going to you know they're going to leave the the window open for an October rate hike. And people will be discussing whether it's October or whether it is December. But if the Fed actually raises rates or you know, basically raises the low end of the floor to match the high end of the floor, so it's not 0 to 0.25, but it's just 0.25, right? If they do that, the Fed is probably going to come out with the most dovish rhetoric ever. They're going to reassure everybody that it's one and done, right? That they're going to be extra patient, you know, I wonder that then are we going to have to be looking at all their Fed statements to see if they're going to take away the word patient or are they going to be patient before they raise rates again? Or are they going to wait for a considerable period before they raise rates again? Or are they going to do the old, you know, uh, uh, a switcheroo? Are they going to start with patient and then flip that and go to, uh, you know, considerable period? Right. How long is it going to be? Remember how long it took before they even changed that language. But this is all the word games. But if they don't raise rates, 
they're going to be hawkish. If they do raise rates, they're going to try to backpedal and be dovish. It's kind of like having your cake and eating it too, in that you're going to try to ease and tighten simultaneously. Because what they do with the rate hike, they want to undo with their rhetoric. And then, of course, they also adjust these dot plots, which is where the Fed governors believe interest rates will be at some point in the future. And they can always lower those estimates so that you know, the dots are extended to where they think the next hike is going to be. But again, I think regardless, it's too little too late to continue the dollar rally. I mean, it's got to be a buy the rumor, sell the fact when it comes to the U.S. dollar. And again, the fact is the dollar uh, topped out against the euro and the Swiss franc in March, I think the British pound in in April. Uh, So it's only been gaining new heights relative to emerging market currencies, some commodity-linked currencies. So I think this is the end of this dollar bull. And the Fed might even hasten the end with a slight rate hike because the markets will start to anticipate the cuts. Because any rate hike sows the seeds of the next rate cut because the rate hike pushes us into, into recession quicker. And what does the Fed do if the economy is in a recession? Well, it cuts rates. It launches quantitative easing. Now, while I am on the topic of a recession, let's talk about all the economic news that everybody ignored today. Okay, the first release we got was the August retail sales. And everybody was expecting a rise of 0.3. And we weren't too far off the mark. We rose 0.2, which is still less than had been expected. Uh, If you take out autos, they were looking for a gain of 0.2 we got a gain of 0.1. Now, these are not great numbers. Even if we had hit the estimate, they wouldn't have been great, but we didn't quite make it. Yet all the news stories that I read today were about how uh, consumer spending is up. Yes, it's up, but less than they thought. And again, this is not adjusted for prices. So are consumers spending more or are the things that they buy, do those things cost more? And is that why they're spending more? Because none of this is adjusted for inflation. But the worst number we got, I think, of the day came out at the same time as retail sales, and that was the Empire State Manufacturing Survey. And the Empire State, of course, is New York, and not really sure what we manufacture in the Empire State, but anyway, they do survey it. And last month, we got a horrible number, minus 1492 And that was the lowest number, I think, since, I think, March or April of 2009, right, while we were still in the Great Recession. So it was a really bad number. And Wall Street was looking for the number to bounce back this month and just be down 0.5. Still a negative number, but nowhere near the disaster of the prior month. Well, guess what? They were wrong. It was almost as big a disaster because September was minus 14.67. Barely an improvement from minus 14.92 from August. And back-to-back, I mean, this has got to be the worst back-to-back numbers for the Empire State Manufacturing Survey, certainly since the Great Recession of 08-09, maybe including, I haven't even seen uh, some of those other numbers. But this was a very, very bad number, right? Following a bad number. I mean, this you don't get this kind of data, if the economy is in great shape, if, you know, the Fed's been waiting seven years to raise rates for data like this. I mean, why didn't they raise rates years ago when the data was better? Well, because had they raised them years ago, they simply would have 
prick the bubble that much sooner, which, of course, would have been better because the sooner you prick a bubble, the better, because that means it's smaller when you prick it. The longer you wait to prick it, the bigger it is when it's pricked and the bigger the fallout, right, when the air comes out. And so that is, in fact, what's coming. But the media, you know, really didn't even report on this uh, this number at all. I mean, I you know, I have to dig just to find uh, anything about uh, the number. Believe me, if this was a good number, it'd probably be all over the place. But because it's a bad number, it's buried and no one pays attention to it. But, you know, I think the markets were paying attention to all this bad news because the Dow was up better than 200 points today. And I think the impetus was all of the bad economic news. You know, we got another report again this week, this Red Book uh, year-over-year same-store sales. And these numbers have been low. I mean, if you look at a chart going back to 2013, which is on the Bloomberg uh, economic calendar where they come out with these numbers, I mean, this looks terrible. I mean, this whole index collapsed, and, you know, it's been really low ever since April. It's been banging around between 1% and 2% year-over-year increases. Right now, we're at 1.7. Last week, we're at 1.3. But if you go back beyond that, for 2013 and 2014 and early 2015, the year-over-year sales had ranged between 3% and 5%. And now we're between 1% and 2%. I mean, we're dramatically slowing down, and the Fed has not even raised rates yet. And we're already seeing a significant slowdown, a very significant slowdown in year-over-year retail sales. So how does this tell the tale of a a strong consumer? It doesn't. Now, look at the industrial production numbers that came out. Granted, they did revise up uh, the July numbers a bit, but these are August numbers. So we're looking back, not September, August. Uh, Industrial production was supposed to fall by 0.2, and instead it fell by 0.4. That's twice what they were looking for. And capacity utilization went down from 78 last month to 77.6. They were looking for a drop to 77.8, but it was a bigger drop. And manufacturing output dropped as well, minus 0.5. This was the biggest drop in manufacturing in three years. And if you just take a look at automobile manufacturing, it was the biggest drop in four years. Now, I've been talking on this podcast about the auto bubble and the bursting of that bubble, and we continue to get more and more evidence that the bubble has burst. And again, the biggest decline in manufacturing in four years is pretty good evidence. The fact that we have a huge inventory of unsold cars on dealer lots or showrooms is evidence that we have saturated this point and we are going to see a bursting of this bubble, which of course was fueled by 0% interest rates. All the people buying cars they can't afford, right? They're doing it with seven years, 0% interest. Well, those sweetheart deals are going to go away if the Fed takes them away. Meanwhile, they've already scraped the bottom of the barrel. There's nothing left in that barrel as far as who they're going to sell cars to. You know, so everybody's already got a car that they can't afford and they got six, seven years to pay for it, which means they're not going to trade in anytime soon. And of course, we got more numbers from business inventories, which were supposed to be up just 0.1 on the month. And that was all they were up, 0.1. They revised down the prior month. This was a a, a downward revision. So again, that will hurt uh, third quarter GDP because it was they went from 0.8 to 0.7. But we still got 0.1 increase this month. But 
The real problem was that sales are also falling. So yes, inventories are down, but sales are down. So the inventory to sales ratio is still 1.36. That's just a notch below the record high going back to the 08 financial crisis, but it ties the same inventory to sales ratio that we've had for the past several months. But even though inventories are coming down, we're not reducing that level. And what does that mean? That means inventories have to come down a lot more because the sales are just not there. And why are the sales not there? Because the customers don't have the money. And that's with cheap gasoline prices that should have been creating a a, a benefit to the consumer. The benefit's not there. They can't buy stuff and they're not shopping for cars anymore. So that bubble has burst. So all this evidence that we're getting Buildup of inventories, you know, suggesting that a recession is on the horizon. And you remember, one of the reasons that we got the strong GDP growth or stronger GDP growth, certainly last year, but a little bit this year, was because companies were building up inventories. Why were they building up inventories? Because they were optimistic, because they believed in a recovery that turns out to be a mirage. But now, if they have too much inventory because they overestimated demand, what does that mean? That means they're not going to be building inventories anymore. They have to let their inventories draw down. And that means that you're not going to get that big boost to GDP, which means GDP is going down. And so what does the Fed have to hang their hat on? All the economic data is pointing towards a decelerating economy, towards recession. All they can do is point to the jobs numbers and say, well, but we have a low unemployment rate. Well, so what? I mean, first of all, employment has always been a lagging rather than a leading indicator. Companies don't lay people off and then we have a recession. That's not how it works. We have a recession and then we get the layoffs. You see, businesses don't anticipate the recession. They react to the recession. So when people think things are good, right, they go out and hire more people or they don't fire people. When they're surprised by the the recession, which always catches people by surprise, now they react to the recession. Oh, we bought, we got to lay some people off. So these are a lagging indicator. All the leading indicators of recession are flashing warning. Yet everybody is ignoring these flashing red lights because they want to pay attention to Janet Yellen. They're they're ignoring the man behind the curtain. They want to take a look at the big image of the Wizard of Oz and ignore that little guy. But Janet Yellen keeps wanting to pretend that the economy is strong so she can pretend she's going to raise rates, even though she hasn't done it. Meanwhile, we keep getting all this evidence of how weak the economy is, and nobody wants to acknowledge it. Yet again, you do have these economists out there who are saying, look, oh, no, no, we can't raise rates because we're really not at full employment. Things are really not as good as the Fed says. Yet people are not really looking at the, the points that they're making. Because a lot of times, too, the economists that are making these points or have a, a, a political agenda, they believe that the Fed can create jobs by keeping interest rates low, or there is some kind of Phillips curve trade-off between inflation and jobs. And you know, if the Fed just allows there to be more inflation, that somehow we're going to have more jobs. None of that is true. Remember, I've talked about this many times. Everybody is wrong. The people who think the Fed shouldn't raise rates are wrong. And the people who think they should raise rates, they're also wrong because everybody is is wrong for the wrong reason or right for the wrong reason or whatever it is, because the people who say the Fed should raise rates, yes, they're right. The Fed should raise rates. But they also think that the economy can stand it. They think the Fed could raise rates and everything is going to be great. It's not. The Fed's going to uh, raise rates 
and the bubble's going to burst and we're going to be in another financial crisis. But we need that. We need to allow the economy to go through that unfortunate crisis. We have to come off this high. The Federal Reserve shot us up with all these drugs. So unfortunately, we got to check into monetary rehab. I'm not saying we should look forward to going to rehab, right? We're not going to Club Med, but we got to go there because the alternative is we, we end up dying of an overdose. So the people who say the Fed should raise rates, they're wrong because they have no idea what's going to happen if they do. Now you have other people who think the Fed shouldn't raise rates because if they raise rates, it's going to hurt the economy. They're right. It is going to hurt the economy, but we should do it anyway because it's not going to hurt the real economy. It's going to hurt the bubble economy, the bubble that we're living in that is preventing a legitimate recovery from taking place. So the people who think we need to keep rates at zero are wrong because by keeping them at zero, we actually make the economy worse. We make the fundamentals of the legitimate economy worse and we make the bigger, the bubble bigger. Meaning that when it ultimately does pop, either because the Fed pricks it or the market pricks it with a currency crisis, we're going to have much bigger problems to deal with because we will have dug ourselves into a much deeper hole and therefore it's going to be much harder to get out. In any event, we are going to find out on Thursday. We have a two-day meeting. It begins tomorrow. It ends Thursday. Thursday afternoon, we're going to have their decision We're going to have their statement, and you will get my take on it Thursday afternoon, later afternoon probably, here on my podcast. So make sure and tune in. There's so much factually incorrect information and underreporting by legacy media today. Shouldn't there be truth in media? Well, there is. Truth in Media. Recently, a novel thought is now a reality with TruthinMedia.com. Led by award-winning journalist Ben Swan, TruthinMedia.com is the source for uninfluenced, reliable, fearless news where journalists pursue real questions, not conspiracies. Make TruthinMedia.com your default browser's homepage today and get breaking news and commentary that speaks to truth to power. It's also where you can tune into The Peter Schiff Show every week. Visit TruthinMedia.com today. That's truthinmedia.com. Access the Truth in Media RS feed by visiting truthinmedia.com forward slash feed. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They are all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold video cast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold video cast at goldvideocast.com. That's goldvideocast.com.